0: Cade Mila Folta, welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello everybody and welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. We're now on Series 3, Episode 8. In the show, we are going to visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. But today's show, the ancestors in the spotlight, are my very own. I'm going to trace my own family roots. On my father's side, I have the surname Cronin, and on my mother's side, I have the surname O'Donoghue, and others too. Perhaps you've heard these surnames before, listeners, in your own family tree. Now, since working on the letter from Ireland and being part of our green room, I've begun to wonder about my own ancestors. And I must admit this curiosity about where we came from, it's not all that usual for us Irish. Sad to say, most of us aren't at all concerned with this. And sometimes we wonder, that is us Irish, what all the fuss is about. But Something has changed for me now, and I, like many of you listeners, have begun to wonder just a bit about my own grandparents, great-grandparents, and great-greats. Where were they born, and how did they live? What was their life like? Where would you start to go about discovering these details from long ago? If you've ever wondered about this yourself, then today's show is for you. Perhaps you've already started looking into your family history. Well, in today's Letter from Ireland show, I'd like to share the process of discovery with you as you join me in tracking down my Irish ancestors. Who knows, you might discover a technique or two to search out your own Irish family. So, where to start? Well, the first piece of advice I picked up in the green room, and it's often mentioned by Mike and our genealogist Jane, is to pick just one family member or one line to begin your search. So to kick off my research on my own family tree, I chose a very special person, my paternal grandmother, my granny Cronin. I didn't even know her maiden name. And I went on to discover some very interesting and surprising things about her, which I'd like to share with you in today's show. So to help the search, I have Mike Collins, who's author of the letter from Ireland, and he heads up the green room with myself. And he's here to give me and lots of other people just like me some great help on our ancestral search. Now, let's do the housekeeping first. Before we start the show, remember you can see all the links mentioned in the show notes at a forward slash 308. So let's begin and have a listen here as Mike helps me discover more about my grandmother, Catherine.
1: So, Karina, how are you today?
0: Very well, Mike, and delighted to have you with me here on the show today.
1: Yes, it's actually going to be, I think, a rare pleasure and a thrill. And in fact, I think it's going to be very interesting because we're going to focus in on your own personal Irish family tree. How does that sound?
0: Oh, I'd love to do that and maybe pick your brains on the way.
1: Well, you know, we're going to make it nicely interactive, I think, because I would love to think... That once we start to discover more and let's just say we're going to focus in on just we'll choose one of your grandparents. Oh, great. Once we discover a little bit more, let's maybe even go to some of the places we're talking about and bring the listeners with us. How does that sound?
0: Fantastic.
1: I'm all up for that. (laughs) Okay, so let's start by asking you, um, you have both sets of grandparents that you know. Yeah, your mother and your father. Could you tell us a little bit more about both sides?
0: So let's start with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dad's grandfather my dad's grandparents uh, my grandparents What's your uh, dad's name? Uh, so that was David Cronin so let's say the Cronin side the grandparents I never knew his father that would be say Grandad Cronin but Granny Cronin lived with us in ovens
1: <laughs> I love the way so, it's Granny and Granddad isn't that the child's eye view of the world? Absolutely It you know? yeah. put
0: me right back there now and on my mum's side then of course we knew our grandparents very well because they lived uh, ripe old ages and What of, were their names? So they were the old Donahues and uh, so my granddad O'Donohue and Granny O'Donoghue and they were from North Cork.
1: Okay so as we're talking here we're sitting just outside Cork City mm-hmm. and we're talking about North Cork so we're up around Bantir, isn't it? That's right. I have some insider information here folks and then on the other side the Cronin side with your dad and his parents were talking about roughly about ten miles or so to the west. West
0: of west of the Cor- of Cork City, yes. yeah. So that's about yeah. eight miles outside the city. Okay. So okay. I haven't really moved very far, Mike, have All I? All <laughs>
1: right. And <laughs> there you have it, folks. Now, um, let's take the Cronin side show, shall we? Okay, so my dad's side. Yeah, because so, I, I think we can kind of develop this further, maybe in further episodes on your mum's side. And I think it'd be really interesting. And this is what I always say: let's let's just focus on one name. Let's just focus on one person, and start to bring them back. So you have your on your dad's side. You got the Cronins, and you got his mom and his father, your grand and granddad. That's yeah? right.
0: So um,
1: tell us a bit more about your grand. Maybe we start there.
0: So my grand, I just knew her as Granny Cronin. Really,
1: Granny Cronin.
0: Granny Cronin.
1: And what was she like?
0: Um. I think she was a fairly forthright lady. Ah,
1: and in the eyes of a child, is in it? In the eyes of a child, yeah.
0: um, I only knew her for a few years. I think she died when I was about eight, and the only information I really have on her is dad is now dead, and all his family. He was the youngest in his family of right. four, so. All yeah. of those siblings are now dead. So I did come across what we call a memorial card. Now, that's a little card that's printed about a year after somebody dies and has some prayers and it has some information. And I kept that. Okay. Normally, people would have kept them in prayer books when they were in fashion. Right. Um, and this one is in loving memory of Catherine Cronin. So. Even that, I wouldn't really have heard of her much referred to as Catherine. I really wouldn't have known her. So that's almost news. That's almost news to me. And uh, she died in February the 25th, it says here, 1968, um, aged 80 years. So okay. if we do the calculation uh, yeah. on that, that brings us back to 1888 would have been her birth
1: year. All right. Okay. Okay. So let's say so, Karina. you'd like to discover more about this lady. Who was your grandmother who lived with you for a period of time?
0: Yes because we had a shop in our youth in my youth and uh, she she had inherited the shop and her son my dad then inherited the shop from her.
1: Okay so and that's where you brought up basically That's where we were brought up yes. Yeah. So what is it you'd like to learn about this particular lady?
0: Well, I know nothing about her apart from the fact that she lived with us in that shop. And it's it's unusual, I think, for a a girl to have a shop, um, you know, back that time. She was the shopkeeper. She was the shopkeeper. So I'd just like to know a little bit more about her.
1: And you never even heard her surname or being referred to or where she came from? No, I've been like
0: racking my brains for that and I don't actually remember ever hearing it. So she was Mrs. Cronin, the shop to all the locals.
1: Granny Cronin. And Mrs. to Cronin.
0: me, Granny Cronin. So we never got any further than that.
1: Okay. So how's this sound so, creative? Let's go on the trail of your Granny Cronin.
0: Yes, let's let's do that.
1: And I think what we'll do is we're going to nip out, first of all, to the shop. To my home place yeah and we'll all actually have a look there and a listen there see what's going on and i do believe you actually do know her final resting place as well
0: yes i do because my aunt was buried there so it's lizarda again west of cork city okay. out towards McCroom.
1: okay so therein might be a few more hints as well but we're going to go and do that and then what i'll do after we've done that is i'll go in and i'll start digging up the records and we'll come back here and we'll have a look at what we discovered. How well, does that sound?
0: That sounds great, Mike. You do your magic there for me and uh, let's see what we discover. And I'm very, very interested in finding out a little bit about Granny Cronin.
1: Well, off we go, Corinna. Off to the shop in Ovens.
0: Well, we're up and going now. So Mike and I headed out to Ovens, County Cork, about eight miles west of Cork City, to where I'd have grown up and lived with my Granny Cronin till her death in 1968. Now, I know I'm lucky because it's just over the road for us. And here we are chatting outside the shop and my home place in Knock On More Ovens.
1: Right, Karina. so here we are, I suppose, about 10 miles out the road or eight miles out the road in a place called Ovens. And I think this is a place that you would associate with a lot of people in your family, including Catherine and your granny.
0: Well, yes, Mike, it's eight miles out the road from Cork City, but it was still quite a rural place when I grew up here. And I'm sure when Catherine was here, when she came here, the story goes that she came here to live, um, to run the shop, because the people that had the shop, and I'm not sure who they were, I do have a photograph of them all right, but that they had no children of their own. So Catherine came here to run the
1: shop and... So, So when you say that, I mean, usually it's a relative that somebody would take over from you know so that's going to be an interesting connection to actually check out there
0: oh yes maybe she was connected to them in some way and that's how she got to inherit the shop um, that would that make sense all right
1: could I also ask uh, where is the rumour go that she actually came from in the first place
0: well now I don't know the only thing I do know is that I think it was from Cork City and you, that's, that's all I know really about it. Not quite sure which part of the city, yeah. but I have, I have, these memories are coming back a little bit that I heard that it was Cork City.
1: So as we look around here, we can see the shop here on our left side and just straight in front of us, we see the school, um, the National School. And just down to my right, we can see the actual Roman Catholic Church. So this would have been a very busy junction for a long time.
0: I think that's possibly why there was the church here. Now, of course, um, the school has moved to a new school further down the other side of the church, but the building where the school was here in 1939, I think my dad was actually involved in building that. We have a little photo of him in front of it. That school I went to school there myself, hopped over the gate, so right beside where we lived. And the house where we lived, was it's like a long house, and I think at one stage there was a second story put up on it and a roof, so it looks quite big now. However, it's unfortunately fallen into disrepair.
1: So your grand um, Catherine Cronin, would have been out here probably from about the 1820s when she took over the shop, and I believe sometime shortly afterwards she would have met her husband.
0: Yes, and he was Bartholomew Cronin, I know that, Batty Cronin. And he he arrived here seemingly on his way to Cork, which would be a stopping-off point from somewhere near McCroom, And he would have stopped off here and met Catherine.
1: So he was somewhat distracted, you might say.
0: So the story goes. And anyway, she found herself a husband as well as a shop.
1: (laughs) So Catherine would have uh, brought up her own family. Um, Was it two boys and two girls? And... On top of that, in this particular area, she would have run the shop basically, and she would have been here until, I guess, until her death, when again?
0: Which was in 1968. So at that point, my father, who was the youngest son, had inherited. So there was uh, John, Peggy, Anne, and David, and David was my father, so he inherited. He must have inherited around sometime when he was married around 1961, and she lived here then until 1968.
1: Okay, I think we're setting the scene very nicely here, Karina, because. You know, it's very interesting that I know you're saying that uh, Catherine Cronin isn't actually buried here, as neither is your actual granddad her husband. And in fact, he's buried in the third place. So uh, I think to get to the bottom of things and maybe to get some clues, it'll be very useful to head out to the place now where your grandmother is buried. And where is that?
0: So we'll head out the road, so um, out towards Lazarda And Kilmurray is the name of the place where the graveyard is. It's just a little bit off the Cork-McCroom
1: Road. Uh, lovely stuff and this is bringing back some memories isn't it
0: yeah it's really nice to be here and I feel very privileged to actually be able to stand here and look around and see I can almost imagine the place as it was 80 years ago
1: <laughs> and I can imagine I can remember as it was in 1982 myself
0: <laughs> when you first made the way out here
1: <laughs> I cycled all the way out
0: you did that
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay all right Will we head out to Kilmore so
0: yes let's go to Kilmore and see what we can discover there about Catherine as we drove further west of Cork City to Lazarda and then on to Kilmorey Graveyard I started to wonder a bit more about my paternal grandmother Catherine Cronin. Where had she lived I wondered as a young girl and what was her connection with the people in the shop and ovens. As Mike says she was probably a relation of theirs so that's one to bear in mind as we look at the records and while we were en route to see if we could find out more about her Memories of being a small girl living with my grandmother in Ovens County Cork were coming back to me. My memories of her are very few, but I do remember she had her own special cup and saucer from which she had her breakfast tea each morning. The Delf was of a very delicate china decorated with pastoral scenes on the inside and a berry colour I remember on the outside. It even had its own pride of place in the glass fronted cupboard keeping it safe from the prying hands of us children i remember too our father scolding us for teasing her the poor woman what a change it must have been for her with my mother arriving our housekeeper and then three young children appearing one by one into her life and home within four years the shop was open too till very late each day and I remember that my mother said that granny minded the shop and served behind the counter when she and my father went to visit my mother's family or on family trips to Cork City. I hope she enjoyed a busy life amongst our, our young family because it certainly was busy in ovens back then. But let's see what we discover here in Kilmurray Graveyard. We've just pulled off a busy Cork-McCroom Road in County Cork and Enter Kilmorey Graveyard. so
1: So here we are in this lovely spot, Queenie. Can you tell us a little bit more about where we are?
0: Well, this is Kilmurray Graveyard, Quilvera, from the Irish, which is the Church of Mary. And it's a really beautiful spot and it is also the final resting place of Catherine Cronin. So I'm standing here I'm standing here at my granny's um grave stone and on the stone I notice that it says again Catherine Cronin, so we have I've no clue really again of her maiden name. And I also noticed that her husband isn't buried here with her either. Would that be normal, do you think, at that time, Mike?
1: Yeah, I think he actually uh I suppose when there's a big gap, especially in the deaths and, you know, how long did they they, um, die apart?
0: Well, it says here that she was 1968 and I know that he died before my dad was married. So maybe the late 50s.
1: Yeah. So kind of 10 years plus. I think it was kind of fairly normal at one stage, at least with the big gap, that the man would go back to his family, you know, and arrangements may have already been insinuated, at least, and the woman to hers. But it's kind of interesting looking around here because there is no not necessarily a sign of family around here.
0: Yes, I, I don't. Act, the only thing I know about Kilmurray is that Catherine was buried here. So it's it's interesting, too, to me, because I'm, I wonder why she was buried here. What's the connection with this area? Um, and again, what her maiden name is, that's still a mystery to us. So we have a little bit more to find out, I think, Mike.
1: So we have two mysteries there. On the one hand, what's the connection with here? Is there her extended family from around here? And I suppose, kind of more immediately, what was her maiden name? So, what do you think? Will we get stuck into the records now, Queen? Have a look what we can turn up? Yes,
0: uh, we have this place now, which is called, uh, you know, um, just outside Lazarda. So, so, I think maybe if we could find some connection here for Catherine, that would be great. And, of course, we're still in Cork, just outside the city, really. What is this, maybe 15 miles outside the city? Yeah.
1: OK, well, let's go and do it. Okay.
0: Being in Kilmurray Graveyard made me all the more curious as to why Catherine Cronin, my granny, had come to be buried here. Why wasn't she buried in ovens where she'd lived for most of her life? And what was the connection with this place? And why did she come from Cork City in the first place to the shopping ovens, I had no more answers from memory. So time now to start looking at the records to see if we can discover more about my Catherine. And this is where I'm hoping Mike can come in to help me. Let's see what he discovers. And so it's time for another chat back home and a look at some very interesting and informative records.
1: Well, Karina, that was some visit, wasn't it? A trip down memory lane for you?
0: Yes, it was. It's, it's very powerful. It's hard to explain what it's like when you're standing at the graveside of your own grandmother, really, or standing outside the place where she worked for so many years and lived her life. Yeah. Um, but it's just made me more curious, Mike. <laughs> and I've come to the end of my memory trail, so and now to you're looking speak. for answers, are you? I'm looking for more answers and I can't remember any of okay. them. I, and maybe questions I should have asked, I didn't at the time.
1: Well, I have discovered a number of things. But first of all, could you remind us the things that you're actually particularly looking to discover?
0: Well, I'd love to know um, what she was called before Cronin. So what was her okay. maiden name, first off? Great. And then where did she come from before she came out to that? Where was she born?
1: Where did she live her early life?
0: Exactly. There are rumors, but I'd love to know for sure. And then how come she ended up in Kilmurray, which is further west of Cork City again? What's the connection back there? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I'm happy to say we can explain all of those. So we go ahead. (laughs) Excellent. All right. So I've done my best to lay things out in the timeline here. And if we kind of look at it, kind of what you know already, we have yourself and your dad, uh, David Cronin, and then his mother, the lady we're looking at, Catherine Cronin. Um, They're all the things you know about. Yes. And as you said, you actually handed me her kind of the date of birth and the date of death. So in taking that particular information and actually trying to work it back through the records, I had a look at the birth, marriage, death, the civil records as well. And actually a variety of kind of place name records, such as census and so on. Okay, now we'll start off with uh, Catherine Cronin. First of all, I'll say that she was actually uh, she was born in 1888. And first thing to say that she was actually born in the city of Cork in an area called Blackpool.
0: Oh, I knew I had heard of the city of Cork, but I didn't know the area.
1: Now, Blackpool itself got its name primarily because of all the tanneries in the area and the actual wash that used to go into the river and give it a very particular color, as you might imagine. And it was, a, it was an area at the time, if you go back to 1888, when she was actually born, there was a lot of industry there. So, you know, you had the breweries, you had the tanneries, you had all, you had all sorts of cattle markets, etc., and at that point in time, she was born to a man who's what we call a draysman. So in other words, he would have had uh, literally a horse and cart without actually the sides on the cart for transporting, let's say, kind of uh, barrels and so on to brewery. And his name was David Barry.
0: So I have a Barry in my background.
1: Yeah. Have you heard the surname Barry before? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: know it's a tea you like to drink.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also it puts you very firmly on the trail all the way back to the Anglo-Normans, into uh, Wales, into Britain and back into France as well, because it's a very prominent Norman name here in Ireland. Oh, fantastic. And I think we we'll look at that a little bit later. So the other interesting thing to say, Carina, is David Barry, uh, if we follow Irish naming patterns, would have been the man that actually gave your dad his, his. first name as well. OK, Yeah. yes,
0: that would be right.
1: Now, David Barry uh, was married to a lady called Anne Long. That's L-O-N-G.
0: Never heard of that surname okay. either.
1: Yeah, of course, it is a prominent uh, Cork surname, which we find, especially in this particular area. And uh, they were married in 1866, but they were married in that church in Ovens, the one that we actually looked at uh, just a short time ago.
0: So they were actually married in Knock More Ovens, close by the shop as well.
1: Yeah, which is kind of interesting because generally speaking, a couple in Ireland and most other countries as well were married in the place of the bride
0: and where was that
1: which would be knock on more and ovens i see yes we have a very firm connection just to there now just to point out that david barry and anne long were married in 1866 but your grandmother was not born for a further 22 years so that was quite a spread when you think about it
0: so they would have been quite old parents to her then yeah yeah and they and
1: yeah i mean if we work along the actual timeline it gets kind of interesting because your your mom base or sorry, your grandmother i should say was brought up in the area of blackpool but by the 1901 and 1911 census she was in a place called madden's buildings in blackpool with the rest of her family
0: No, that name is familiar as in i've seen the name on the side yeah. of a building when i passed through blackpool but yeah i never really looked at it now i'd be looking at it with new eyes
1: well, you know, just I, I think you kind of know some of this yourself as well, but it's actually a place that would have been built from the 1880 onwards yes. um, as a means for the crafts and for the actual labourers in the area to actually clear some of the tenements, essentially, and put them into kind of clean or orderly settlements and so on. So they would have been considered absolutely, I suppose, kind of beautiful housing estate of the day, if that makes sense.
0: So it would have been a real place to live yeah. at the time you would have been delighted to live
1: there absolutely and yeah. as you point out they actually still stand today and they haven't changed much
0: well isn't that interesting now for us mm. Mm.
1: now just hold on to that for just a few moments because let's just talk a little bit about kind of you've two more kind of i suppose kind of aspects maybe you're interested in but primarily you're interested in well why does she kind of end up in kilmurray your grandmother if the connection was with Ovens, if the connection was with Cork City. Yes. And it's kind of interesting when I start to look at the records a little bit further, Anne Long, who is your mother's mother, mm-hmm. actually was born in Kilmurray. My,
0: sorry, my grandmother's.
1: Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, Your grandmother's mother. So
0: Catherine Cronin's mother That's correct. was Anne Long.
1: That's right. And she came basically originally from Kilmurray. Oh, so your grandmother. Was buried was excuse me, it was buried in the place of her mother's family.
0: She went back to be she buried went back there. there.
1: That was that that's that particular mystery. So there's
0: a very strong maternal link back that way. So.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well that solves the Kilmurray mystery then. Mm. So my grandmother's mother came from that area.
1: There you go. And she ended up in that area, if you like, you know, of her kind of, as you say, maternal ancestors. Oh. Mm. That's something how do you feel about that about that? Yeah.
0: I'm um, well, 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 going to take a while to let that settle in, actually.
1: Now, I'll give you one just little extra fact. So, OK, because I think, you know, we've talked about the shop quite a lot. We've been there. We've had a look at it beside the church mean ovens. But the thing is, just establishing the timeline um, in 1901 and 1911 in the shop around which you were actually born, your father was born and your grandmother moved into. Yes. Um, that was actually in the ownership of of a james long and his wife
0: now interestingly long? enough i have a, there's another i have a picture of yes. them but i never actually knew their names there you go so that james long is he that he
1: would have been the uncle of your grandmother
0: so she went into her uncle's they business. had no children
1: and she inherited the business
0: Oh, that explains why she was there. So,
1: yeah. And in fact, you know, just say the last link, because your grandmother got married in 1919 and the following year, James Long, who was her uncle, the person who actually had the shop, he actually died at advanced age. And the informant, in fact, was your grandmother's new husband. Your other. Bartholomew. Grandfather, Bartholomew Crone, where you get your own name. So it all ties in there together as such. And so the shop changed ownership, if you like, uh, once he came along into the Cronin name, thereabouts around 1919, possibly around the time they were married.
0: So at that time, they then owned the shop, my grandmother and her new husband.
1: There you go. There you go. So we're after tying together three different places, if you like. We have Cork City, where your grandmother was actually, I suppose, she was born and brought up for a lot of her life. But she obviously had close ties, I guess, with her uncle and her her uh, mother's family, basically, back into Ovens and back into Kilmurray. And to such an extent, of course, she ended up living there most of her life in Ovens and actually ended up being buried back in Kilmurray.
0: So she would have left Blackpool, really, as a young woman and never went back to the city, I guess. She had
1: siblings, uh, but her parents are getting quite elderly at that stage as well, you know. But, you know, that's another day's work. We'll actually establish a few more things, like maybe the death of her father and mother, um oh, maybe yes. you have some cousins inside in center Cork city you never met
0: sounds like it doesn't it Mike it
1: does so let me ask you Queen. I mean first of all there's a lot there to take on in the first place I'm have to lean on your your lap so to speak yes how do you feel about that generally does anything particularly surprise you or does it jump out
0: well it's interesting I suppose because a lot of us now like to live in the city <laughs> so we, yeah. have a, we have a link back to the city there through um my grandmother um also you know, it's interesting too because I'm sure back in 1919 that was a big thing as a young woman to leave the city, move out to 8 miles outside the city to the countryside to ovens.
1: And inherit a business. And inherit a business. Yeah.
0: Huge. And those people, her uncle and aunt must have been elderly enough at the time if he died um, you know, when she was yeah. quite young. Um and then she took on the business?
1: I think you used the word formidable when you described her earlier is i it? did yeah. initially
0: but now i see the the background to it there's
1: a lot going on there and she obviously had a very good commercial brain as well she made a go of the business didn't she
0: oh she did yes yeah, i mean a grocery family. shop back then just didn't sell groceries there, there was go. lots of different fuels and Coffins. even shrouds <laughs> you name it they sold it you name it indeed yeah
1: and, you know, just to kind of point out that uh, her own parents would have been born into the teeth of the Great Famine. Now, that's something. You know, that's, that was her reference from her parents when they talked about things.
0: So they would have been born right at the at the beginning of the, of that famine yeah. time. So there is my link back to the famine.
1: There you go. And that's probably your dad probably was listening to her, your, his now mother talking about that. No, that gives me goosebumps, really. Yeah.
0: Beginning to feel... You know. Yeah.
1: So, listen. What would you like to do next? Where will we go? Would you like well, to? Well, I'll have
0: a... to see where she lived as a young girl.
1: So we're going to go to Madden's Buildings in Cork City and have and a look around.
0: Have a look at them with new eyes.
1: Lovely. And you know what? When we come back, maybe we'll actually have a look then at the longer term, Barry. Ancestry as well. How yeah, about that?
0: Barry. That's that's really new to me as well. Yeah. I haven't really taken that in yet. Yeah. So um, yes, let's, that'd be lovely, Mike. But let's first. I'd love to see um, Madden's buildings in Blackpool now.
1: Great. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: Thank- so thanks to Mike. There, I now have my grandmother's maiden name. It's Barry, and her mother, who was uh, had the surname Long, and that gives us the connection back to Kilmurray and Lizarda as the Longs came from that area. I now know that my grandmother's uncle, from whom she inherited the shop and ovens on his death in 1920, was also a Long, and he was one James Long, but he was known, Mike told me later, as Jimmy Long. I'm most excited now to go and see Madden's buildings in Blackpool in Cork City, where Catherine had lived as a young girl. Before we head out to Blackpool, I did some research and discovered that these houses, the Madden's buildings, represented the first social housing scheme in Cork. And they were built to alleviate the dire overcrowding in the city in the late 19th century. In 1794, the site where the buildings are had been an old cattle, milk and potato market. And before that, it was the site of a guardhouse which had protected the north entrance to the city. So what a nice surprise to discover that Madden's buildings where my grandmother Catherine Cronin, or Catherine Barry as she was then, grew up is now an important component of Cork's social and architectural heritage. I think she'd have liked that. So we travelled across the north side of Cork City to Watercourse, Watercourse Road and there were the 76 red brick terrace houses of Madden's buildings, two rows back to back. As Mike and I walked down the street we spotted an open door and from there we were suddenly being introduced to the knowledgeable owner that lived in number 59 and what a lovely lady she was. We all sat in the cozy front room and here have a listen to what we discover about life in Madden's buildings as we chat to two of the residents. So I've just stepped into Madden's Buildings and it's a very, very strange feeling for me to think that my grandmother actually grew up here. And I'm chatting with two ladies, one lady's house who she's kindly allowed us in. Um, And her name is Eileen Jones. I live
2: in 59 Madden's Buildings. Now I'm a newcomer. I'm only here since um, 1993.
0: And you were telling us a little bit about the original house, Eileen. Can you tell us some more about it? No, it's just that when I came down
2: here, first I came into an old house. And where we're sitting on this house was the front room. And then we had a kitchen, two bedrooms upstairs, an outside toilet. But then after 1986, they started to renovate the houses six at a time. So when they renovated the house, I got this house in um, 1996.
0: And you were telling us a condition for the people that came here originally, an interesting thing that they weren't allowed to do when they moved in first. Yeah, from
2: what I can gather from the Historical Society, when these houses were built, one of the conditions was you couldn't have livestock or poultry in the yard. Up to that, people living in the lanes around the place. Some of them had a pig, they nearly all had chickens. But that was banned in Madden's buildings.
0: Uh, the cattle market, cattle market was nearby as well, wasn't it? Here, I think. Oh, oh, sorry. This area here was the cattle market uh, before they built the
2: buildings. I believe so. Yes, it's say uh, on the um, on the, the the bull. That's down the end of the buildings. That's there now to mark the spot. It was like um, uh, the farmers used to bring their cattle in. They couldn't take them into the city, by all accounts, yes. and they'd have to do all their business here.
0: This was where they stayed, yeah. And I read actually that this place before the cattle yard, which was back to 17 something before that, it was a guards house where the gateway was to the north, where they guarded the north entrance to the city. Would you believe that? So you're in a very historic spot here, Eileen. And your neighbour here beside you, because it's a very friendly area, you were saying between the 76 houses, um, your neighbour is, who's Jean it? Brian
3: O'Brien, uh, leave- 64 Madden's buildings. And I'm, I came in after getting married to my husband's mother. She was on her own. And uh, that's how I lived. But I lived in... 67 first, and when they renovated the houses, we had to move. So I went up to 64, and I I was to get back, 67, but I fell in love with 64, and I stayed there. I tell you something, you wouldn't get the neighbours anywhere else. If you were sick, you can be sure there'd be someone eat you, or if you had trouble, they were there for you. They were absolutely fantastic. They were like part of everyone's family, not blood relations, but they were there for you the same as if they were. Well,
1: that's
0: really nice. Thank you both so much for chatting with me and giving me a little glimpse into what life was like in Madden's buildings. Well, wasn't this an opportunity for a photo call? I couldn't leave the house without having a photo or two of those lovely residents. And who would have thought when we set out to locate my granny Cronin's childhood home, that we would have been invited in to see the homes and offer tea to boot. Now, this is really another thing, I think, when one is uh, researching family history. Go to the place that you know your people were from and don't be afraid to have a chat with the locals because that's where the gold is found. As I gathered my thoughts on leaving Madden's buildings, Mike and I leant against those red brick walls and chatted about what had just happened.
1: Well, Corina, we're standing here in a part of Old Cork City. I think it was a cattle market at one stage, and now it's called Madden's Buildings. I think it's a place that's uh, becoming very special to you. Is that right?
0: Yes. Um, I've just come out of one of the houses and speaking to the lady that lives there now and her friend who introduced us, and we just managed to be just walking down the road. A door was open and we went in and we were invited in and even offered tea. And it's just been very special to be able to walk into the house and look around and to know that my grandmother grew up here. And it seems to me that there is still a great feeling of community spirit here between the six, 76 houses in Madden's buildings.
1: Well, if those two ladies are anything to go by, there certainly is. And even just kind of looking around here at the moment, we see they're actually, they probably look the same as they were, oh, I don't know, kind of 100 years ago and more. About the time your grandmother actually lived here, Catherine Barry
0: they're very distinctive aren't they Mike with the well little terraced houses all together but very pretty the doorways um, really nicely coloured blues greens and reds as we look down along and the white windows picked out on the it looks like a yellow sand coloured brick and then the lovely triangular windows up into the attic um, or the upstairs I suppose that was probably the window into the bedroom upstairs and then fine big solid chimneys
1: and your family, your grand's family, all 11 of them were in one of, one of these buildings at one stage. And I guess to them it was probably the height of luxury actually.
0: I think they must have felt really secure here because there were new buildings at the time. They had an outside toilet, which was, a, I'm sure, an improvement. And um, everything was new and shiny, wasn't it, back then for them here?
1: And your grand, she actually made it from here, let's say at the age of 23, I moved out to the countryside to run a country shop how do you think she felt being a a city girl i guess kind of finding herself suddenly in the countryside
0: i think that must have been a big big change the only thing is it was a shop and therefore it was the hub of the rural community there near the school near the church but very different from the city here in blackpool
1: and do you think you'll come back here for another visit sometime
0: well i'll always pass it fondly from now on for sure
1: that's great. Let's go back and let's uh, let's have a chat back at home, and maybe let's look at the Barry surname a little bit more, and maybe even go back into uh, a little bit more surprising history that even your grandmother mightn't actually be aware of at the time.
0: Well, now you've got my interest, Mike. <laughs> Another part of my grandmother's life was illuminated for me in traveling to her childhood home in Cork City, and then the thrill of getting to step inside one of those unique houses. But I now had more questions about the Barry family. And so it was time again to sit down with Mike, who had been busily researching the origins of the Barry name. And he had a surprise in store for me. It was amazing, Mike, to be walking right on the footsteps there of my grandmother in uh, Madden's buildings. But I believe you've got another surprise in store for me today.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny when you walk to a place, Karina, how it can motivate you to look even further for some more detail and in fact I came up with uh, the actual debt certificate rather the debt um, notice for your uh, great-grandfather David Barry so it was actually 1924 but interestingly enough it actually puts him down as living in number seventy madden's buildings at the time so we know precisely the actual house he lived in at that point anyway
0: oh so we know the number now there you go so i actually think we walked past that number yesterday we did oh i think i'll be making another trip back there then We'll
1: definitely be back yeah to our new our new friends in madden's buildings we'll find out who lives there now how about that
0: yes that definitely that's one now for the bucket list
1: do you know the other thing i was thinking as well it's it's kind of your grandmom she actually left madden's buildings to get married out in ovens and running that shop out there as well but one thing we didn't talk about and i think it's interesting just to kind of remember it is she got married in 1919 and ran the shop thereafter and that was going into the teeth of the actual irish war of independence and into the civil war right through about the first three to four years after she got married okay i mean that was that must have been some turbulent time at the time where, you know, her shop essentially would have been the centre of operations and communications for much of actually went on.
0: There's only one vague memory that comes to mind, Mike, when you mention that, and that is we had a barn or a loft close by our house. And when I was very young, I do remember it being cleared out and some artefacts coming from the barn. Um, There were long stools, which I believe were used for meetings. Ah. And there were stretchers made by my grandfather's brothers
1: stretches for the wounded is it i think so now i
0: I was quite young at the time and didn't really take much notice but now that you're putting those facts in front of me there's a you know there obviously are links there too
1: oh my gosh if those walls could talk in that barn or in that shop from back then it would be amazing
0: yes that's that's amazing now
1: how would you like if we step back just a little bit and we look at the bigger 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 picture of catherine barry's family and where on earth did they come from? Where did they come from in Ireland? Where did they come from before Ireland? Would so, you like to
0: maybe a little bit about the Barry surname itself?
1: There you go. But I suppose you know it's it's really interesting to think that your dad was called David after his grandfather in this case, who's the man who lived in Madden's building, who's also a David. And I think it's really worthwhile bearing that in mind. Okay. As we actually track the Barry family back. Because from your point of view, where does the actual first name David come from when you hear of it?
0: I, I'm, very, I'm very unaware of where it came from, but I just know that it's always been in, in the family, David. Yeah,
1: and it's also the patron saint of Wales. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So bear that in mind here as we actually work our way back. And in fact, we're going to go back the best part of a millennium. Okay ready for this yes that's pretty far (laughs) it is isn't it yeah but anyway there is an actual track through all the way to yourself here and all the way to the barrys in cork and all the way to your actual grandmother catherine barry because if we go all the way back to the time of the norman conquest of england so way way back in 1066 when those knights under william the conqueror as he later became known actually left the norman shores of normandy and actually um went across the english channel and eventually assumed the crown of england One of the knights that actually accompanied him was a man by the name of Odo, Mm O-D-O. Now, Odo, following the successful conquest of Britain, um, like many of the other knights, was actually granted lands in various parts. One of the lands in the newly, I suppose, conquested land of Britain that the actual Normans really wanted to be careful of was the land around the native Welsh. And what they actually decided to do was install what became later known as March Lords, as in frontiersmen, who could actually build castles and actually hold the land, hold the area generally against, I suppose, kind of these local, local savages. I suppose it's kind of the best word to use from their perspective at the time. So, in fact, Odo was granted lands in a place which is now known as Pembrokeshire in the southwest of Wales and around, believe it or not, the island of Barry which oh. is a little bit further east around what's now the town of Cardiff.
0: OK, so this is the first mention of Barry.
1: Yeah, you're seeing it. I am. Now, the island of Barry itself, which is still there today and call that, is actually named for Saint Baruch. So it would have been a Welsh saint, B-A-R-U-C. And um, essentially what Odo's family took on, they took on the title of De Barry, as in of Barry. So essentially... We often hear kind of uh, Norman names as in De Barry, De Cogan or Fitz this or Fitz that. Mm -hmm. And this is one example. I suppose that's the starting point for the De Barry family that we know in Cork today.
0: And how do they come then to be in Cork? What's the next step
1: there? Well, well, naturally, they heard Cork was a great place and they wanted to come (laughs) over here and have a look, you know. (laughs) and they were very impressed by what they found
0: well that's a wonderful cork accent like there and we all know we love cork there
1: you go there you go so anyway i suppose kind of uh, without getting too technical about it Karina. um the, as i mentioned the actual and this is where it links into the actual david name as well because they think of where they were they were those frontier lords at the time and what they did was like like many others they intermarried with the local royalty as in the welsh royalty and so the Welsh name Daffit or David started to appear in the various ranks of the De Barry family. Now, they took on, although they actually took on the name De Barry, and it sounds like they actually came from Barry Island, in fact, their main centre of operations was in a place called Manorbier Castle, much further west in Pembrokeshire. Beautiful, big, what became a beautiful large castle essentially just beside the sea. And I think that's ringing mm, a bell. With that's ringing me a bell, is it?
0: I know we did a feature on the castles in Wales. Yeah. And did we visit that one?
1: Mm, we're going to come back to that, aren't we?
0: Interesting. Because
1: we're, we're kind of bringing a few different strands in here together. So it was at that particular castle, Minorbia, that four of Odo, do you remember the guy who came over from Normandy? Yes. Right? Four of his grandsons were born. There was a Robert, a Philip, a Walter and a Gerald. And in fact, Gerald or Gerald de Barry uh, became later known as Gerald of Wales a, G- a Geraldus Camembris, I think that's the correct way to say it. And he actually, I suppose, chronicled an awful lot of the actual Norman adventures, both in Wales and later on in Ireland. So you Very actually, convenient there for you us. Go, yeah. So you can get one of your relatives uh, first, uh, I suppose, kind of point of view of just what happened at the time. So th- just bear in mind, anyway, those four sons. And what happened then? Around about um, 1180 was the Norman invasion of Ireland happened. And of course, it involved many of these actually uh, Marche lords from the actual um, south coast of Wales. And in fact, sometimes we call it the Cambro-Norman invasion, meaning the Welsh-Norman invasion. So three of the actual sons, as I mentioned, were actually involved in this invasion at the time. And in fact, Robert and Philip, Philip very specifically went over... Uh, to lead kind of groups of fighters. Now, Robert de Barry, he died in the Battle of Lismore in the 1180s. But Philip, on the other hand, was, well, he lived to be successful. And he was granted what became three cantreds of land in Cork. And now a cantred basically became later known as a barony, a particular subdivision of land. But one of these cantreds was actually a place called Killady.
0: Oh, really? So that's just a few miles from west of Cork City,
1: just over the hill from where we're speaking. actually. Yes. And from where Catherine Barry would have set up her shop. So you could say she didn't travel far, you know? Wow. Yeah. So and
0: where were the other areas that the Barry settled? Mike?
1: OK. Yeah. Well, excuse me. I suppose over time, there are three main areas. There's a place called Barrymore down where uh, Carrick Toole in its castle lines is. So that would have been the main seat over time. Then there was Barry Row, or Barry, kind of Red Barry, that was down west. And then we had up around what's now the town of Buttevant. Buttevant, I should say, in North Cork, which gets its name from the Barry battle cry. Butte on Avant. Oh, really? Can you tell me what that means, Um,
0: Onwards and...
1: Onwards and upwards, you could say. You could say lots of things like that. But you could also colloquially say it means, look, if it gets in the way, kick it down. You know, work your way through the problem, not around it. So it was a really kind of, I suppose they had a very practical kind of point of view when it came to being a Barry. You dealt with your problems, you pushed forward, you didn't deal with them tomorrow, you dealt with them today. Got through it. You got through it. You worked your way through the problem. Does that appeal to you? (laughs)
0: Yes, I can see. I can (laughs) see that that might be, uh, yes, a good motto for the Barry family. There you go.
1: So, I suppose the, just to finalize there, the, the first, I suppose, kind of mention of one of the administration in Ireland involving a Barry, there was a David Barry, and he became the first Lord Chief Justice of Ireland uh, in the actual 1200s. So, you know, that's kind of the first appearance of a of David Barry. A David Barry, exactly. And I just want to point this out, Shakrina, because if you think about Irish naming patterns where the eldest son assumes the paternal father's name, paternal grandfather's name in this case. You know, it doesn't take many generations to figure out that your father, who is called David, can very, very quickly work his lineage back to the Davids that would have actually come over with the Barrys from Wales back in the 1100s.
0: Wow, that's fascinating, isn't it, how the naming pattern links so strongly back.
1: There you go, there you go. And
0: I'm also quite amazed at the fact that the land granted to the Barrys was Just so close around Cork, really, north of Cork and then west of Cork and down further west in Sir Barry Row. That's so close by. And how many people of Barry's would there have been, do you think? Well,
1: you know, I suppose that's the thing that's a bit surprising to us if we live in Cork, because we think there's lots of Barry's around. But by 1901, there are only 9,543 individuals across the entire island of Ireland. That's in the 1901 census. So it's very, very localised in Cork, as you might imagine. Um, and uh, essentially, I suppose one of those, and actually 11 of those in 1901, were in fact your Barry family from Madden's buildings.
0: That's a lot to take in. It takes a while to let that sink it does. in. And I'm. I'm really amazed that that strong Barry connection is there. And I was so unaware of it until you did the research.
1: Yeah. So you are royalty after all, Crian. well, royalty of a sorts.
0: I think a lot of us can claim that maybe so. <laughs> uh, ah, yeah. yeah. But,
1: you know, I suppose kind of, um, you know, in just a moment, we have one last surprise for you because, you know, it is that connection with Menorbier Castle in South Wales.
0: You'll have to remind me a little bit about Menorbier Castle. I feel we were there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, here's a reminder, because about two years ago, we worked our way from Bristol, which is just there in the west part of England, uh, all the way through the actual south coast of Wales. And we worked our way through the invasion route, landing in Wexford, in fact, on a beach in Wexford.
0: I do remember that late one night when we came back, you said, we've got to do the full Norman trip and land on the beach.
1: (laughs) And I asked you at the time to stand outside a number of castles in South Wales and just chat about them. And here we are with you standing outside Minorbier Castle in Pembrokeshire talking about the seat of the Barry the Barry clan and at the time did you know it no idea No no idea and here we have it so here we have a direct link you could say between your grandmother Catherine Barry and Minorbier Castle and you standing outside that perhaps on her behalf guided by her two years ago but dating all the way back to the 1100s.
0: Well, let's have a listen to that. A common name in Ireland is Michael Collins and another common name is Gerald Barry. And we're here at Manorbeer Castle on the Pembrokeshire coast in Wales. And behind me stands the home of the Barrys family. Gerald Barry was a man of letters born here in the 12th century and he documented, he was very famous as he documented the arrival of the Normans in Ireland. This is the seat of the Barry family here in Wales and it reminds us of another Barry and I think maybe it is time now for that Barry and let's have a cup of Barry's tea. You never know what you discover when you go in search of family. And that was certainly a surprise for me to think that I was actually standing in front of the Barry Castle in Wales a while back and not knowing that there was even a Barry surname very closely connected with my own family on my dad's mother's side. Well, what a roller coaster this journey of discovery of my granny Catherine Cronin Barry has been the journey from my own childhood memories of my grandmother to the many discoveries we made along the way. First, that her maiden name was Barry, then finding her home at number 70 Madden's buildings in Blackpool in Cork City, then solving the puzzle of why she was buried in Kilmurray and not in ovens. She was buried in Kilmurray, we discovered, as it was her mother's home place. And that, again, is very often where some women will return to. And the surname my great-grandmother had was Long. And it was her mother's brother, Jimmy Long, from whom she inherited the shop and house and ovens where I myself grew up. And then too, I learnt about the name David, my dad's name, and the origins of the Norman Barry surname, and discovering their lands were all close to us here and still are around Cork. I now know why my roots are so strongly set here in this area of County Cork. Isn't it amazing to stand in front of a Barry Castle in Wales at the time and have no idea of its connections to my own family? Looking back now, I think this journey has been an emotional one because I felt very exhausted each day as the connections of my past were uncovered, something I hadn't expected at all. In travelling into the past, I now look around me at the future and the present with new eyes and I'm still trying to assimilate all that this has meant for me. One thing it has brought home to me is I now have a greater understanding of all those on their own family search. I have empathy with them now. A final thought I'd like to share with you is one memory that has stayed with me and that is the kindness of the people we met in Madden's buildings in Cork City. We later discovered, through the records, that Catherine's father, my great-grandfather David Barry, had lived at Madden's buildings for over 40 years. In life, it's the people that are important, and if the people were as neighbourly as those we met that day, then David Barry was indeed a lucky man to have lived at Madden's buildings. And so this part of our journey must come to an end. I'd like to thank Mike Collins very much for his intrepid research skills, without whom I'd still be cross-eyed poring over the records. He's the sleuth behind all the discoveries. I suppose my family history of Catherine Barry is a similar tale to many Irish who stayed in Ireland and often we Irish fail to tell their tale. So hopefully we've gone a little way to address that today. It's time now to hit the road or hit the boher, as we say in Irish. Thank you for your company on today's Letter from Ireland show and I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly did. Perhaps one of your own ancestors had a similar experience as my Granny Cronin? If so, I'd love to hear from you and do feel free to share any questions or comments of your own. Remember, listeners, you can let your comments and check out more at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 308. We look forward to you joining us again next time on the Letter from Ireland show. So everybody, till we meet again, tog gabogay, that's take it easy in irish bye for now Karina. just before we go thanks again for listening and if you've enjoyed today's letter from ireland show we invite you to check out our special membership area called the green room you can find full details of the green room at a letter from Ireland.com forward slash green room and remember there green room is all one word The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member only access to JohnGrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me and I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina.